Welcome back to SEWCT. I'm Chef T, your host. Today, we are going to be covering the news as usual. I'm Chef T, so let's get into this, guys. So I have a article that um, was on Consumer Labs. I'm not sure if you, you guys have subscribed to Consumer Labs, but Consumer Labs have great information if you're trying to do research, legit information factual stuff, science-based, all that good stuff that you guys are looking for. So if you have not signed up a subscription with them, I definitely suggest that you uh, at least try them out and kind of see how you feel about it. But there are a lot of great information. So obviously the internet consists of so many different opinions, biased opinions, um, and it can be hard sometimes trying to filter out what's what's, uh, fiction and nonfiction. Right. All right. So let me just pull this up real quick. I'm going to read a little part of this. I'm not going to go through the entire thing uh, because it's a pretty lengthy article and it's talking about vitamin D. So vitamin D, you're probably wondering, should you be watchful, I guess, of your vitamin D levels, especially during the COVID season that we're having? So I have this highlight. It's a little small little here, but I want to kind of go back a little bit with you guys. So pretty much a study in Singapore among 43 men and women aged 50 or older hospitalized with COVID-19 from mid-January to mid-April in 2020 found that those who were started on a daily oral dose of vitamin D3, magnesium, and vitamin B12 within the first day of hospitalization and continued for up to about 14 days were significantly less likely to require oxygen oxygen therapy and further intensify care. Just three of the 17 patients, which is 17.6%, who were given supplements required oxygen therapy or intensive care compared to 16 or 26 patients, around 61.5%, who did not receive the supplement. Blood levels of vitamin D, magnesium, and B12 were not measured. So it's not known if any of the patients were deficient before supplementation. However, the researchers noted that vitamin D can reduce certain pro-inflammatory cytokines, high levels of which can cause cytokine storm and severe lung disease. And that magnesium is important for vitamin D activation and metabolism. While vitamin B12 helps to support a healthy microbiome in the gut and thus the immune system. So they go on a, a they go on with a review. So a review of medical records of elderly residents of a nursing home in France who were routine, routinely given were very high dose. So the high dose of 80,000 IU vitamin D every two to three months due to high prevalence of deficiency. Found that one month after diagnosis of COVID-19, 82.5% of those given vitamin D in the previous month or in the week following diagnosis survive compared to only 44.4% of those who did not receive vitamin D within the period. It should be stressed, however, that more frequent daily or weekly use of lower dose vitamin D to treat deficiency is preferably whenever possible. So the highlighted part is a study in the UK among 986 adults 
hospitalized with COVID-19 infect infection, average age 70, found that treatment with vitamin D, either as maintenance therapy, doses ranging from 800 to 2000 IU daily, or as high dose booster therapy up to about 300,000 300, IU total administrated in divided doses over seven to 10 weeks was associated with a 52% reduced risk of death compared to compared to no treatment. It is important to note that vitamin D levels in the population tended to be very low. Half the population had levels of 16 NG slash MLs or below, and only 25% had levels above 20 NGs MLs. So a preliminary analysis of patients admitted to the hospital system in North northeastern England, where vitamin D deficient is common, found a higher prevalence of vitamin D deficiency in COVID-19 patients requiring intensive care compared to those managed in medical wards. So I'm going to stop right there. So guys, get your vitamin Ds up. I think it's really important to really watch your numbers. I mean, everything else, magnesium, you know, make sure you are eating a immune boosting dietary regimen for your body and let your loved one knows this you know especially their older folks you know this is a way you can help yourself help your loved ones out by spreading this information and clicking the link that's going to be in this, this, this podcast description if you wanted to you know educate yourself as well there's tons of science back back behind behind this uh research the link is going to be in the podcast description so i forget uh, if consumer labs allow you to preview uh, some of the article before actually paying for a subscription, um, I honestly don't remember, but I think it's worth paying for the subscription. I, I am in no affiliation with these guys. I just want to make sure when I'm delivering the news to you guys and when I'm researching for myself, especially as I continue to build my business, I want to make sure I am only using sites that are reputable. Very important to me. Um, yeah, it's it's important to me that I am sharing information that's that's going to be valuable for you and whoever you share this information with. Which is also why I also like to keep the links in the podcast description for you guys to research too. And if you if you guys came across anything that I missed, you can share it with me. So we're all heading in the right direction. It's all about working together, uniting and working together as a large community. And that's the human race. Let's move on. There's a few different topics I wanted to also cover. I wanted to read that first to you guys. I felt like it was, you know, important information. Some uh, news I came across that I felt like it would be valuable to us. So there was a new study found, you know, this is also on Healthline. Healthline also covered this. A new study found 80% of COVID-19 patients were vitamin D deficient. Healthline, I like Healthline because Healthline use a lot of science back links that you can um, further educate yourself as well. And a lot of the links they use, I use, um, and you should probably consider researching as well. So a study that looked at 216 people with COVID-19 found that 80% didn't have adequate levels of vitamin D in their blood. 
The study also found that people who had both COVID-19 and lower vitamin, vitamin D levels also had a higher number of inflammatory markers, such as ferritin and D-dimer, which have been linked to poor COVID-19 outcomes. A different study found that COVID-19 patients who had adequate vitamin D levels had a 51.5% lower risk of dying from disease, from the disease, and a significant reduced risk for complications. Medical ex ex experts uh, theory that maintaining uh, and adequate vitamin D levels may help lower risk or aid recovery from severe COVID-19 for some people, though more testing is needed. So they go through a list of uh, examples here of all the all the patients, 82.2% were deficient in vitamin D. In the research, men had lower vitamin D levels compared to women. People who had COVID-19 and lower vitamin D levels also had higher inflammatory markers such as what I spoke about. So those have linked to poor COVID-19, which is interesting to me because I remember early on, um, they spoke about, they meaning scientists in the media, spoke about how men are at higher risk. And it's, they're, they're literally talking about it right here. They're not getting into great detail, but I just covered it. But they said in the research, men had lower vitamin D levels compared to women, which make, makes me think that, which is the reason why men are at higher risk, right? So the article goes on to talk about the vitamin D and COVID-19 recovery. Nevertheless, in addition to the correlation between vitamin D levels and COVID-19 risk, many people are looking at how it may protect you how it may protect people and help them recover from the disease. One approach is to identify and treat vitamin D deficiency, right? Especially in high-risk individuals such as elderly patients and nursing home residents who are main targets population for COVID-19. Vitamin D treatment should be recommended in COVID-19 patients with low levels of vitamin D circulating in the blood since this approach might have beneficial effects in both the immune system and musculoskeletal, excuse me. So the musculoskeletal and your immune system will benefit highly from the vitamin D circulation in your blood. So to get into protecting yourself, so many Americans have a vitamin D deficiency. I, I tell you this, uh, for, for the last few years, actually, um, let me not say few, but the last couple of years, rather, I've been, my my physician has had me on, but because I, I, I had a vitamin D deficiency as well. So other than, you know, going out in the sun, getting your vitamin D, especially in the east northeast we we have the long one well, not long but we have the winter months where we're not going out as much so my my what am i taking um i feel like i'm taking around 50,000 somewhere around 50,000 something like that i use a week so it's just a weekly uh, protocol i've been on and i've been maintaining my vitamin d levels really well so I, I think that i mean besides my obviously my, my diets which consist of plant-based i do consume animal protein as well not at a high 
level than uh, like the issues that we're dealing with here in America. People consume meats at that crazy high level. But yeah, I, I consume, you know, plant-based meals. Plant-based meals, which you, you, you'll get a sufficient amount of vitamin D. I mean, you're not going to be getting 50,000, obviously. You get a significant amount. You know, movement, very important, you know, to move around. You don't want to keep your body stationary. You, know, you want to move around. You want to you know, move your body around because that, that helps your immune system. That helps just your bodily function, all that good stuff. So something to look into if you are deficient. And if you don't know, uh, something you should definitely should know. Anyway, I'm going to have the link to the Healthline article here in the podcast description. Click that link to read further. So there's a cannabis news that I will be covering here. Cannabis legalization is on the balance in these three, these five states, actually. So South Dakota is one. New Jersey is another. Montana, Mississippi, and Arizona. That's it. Yeah. So this is some interesting news here. So the presidential election, which is, isn't the only big race for on ballots this year. So um, obviously this recording is for Wednesday. So actually when you're going to be hearing this, you'll, you'll, well, actually you probably don't. Probably take a little while until you know who exactly won. But anyway, let's cover it anyway. Cannabis is currently regulated at the federal level as a schedule one drug, which is the most restricted classification. Not only does that makes the use and possession of cannabis illegal according to federal law, but it's also it, it also makes it difficult for researchers to study the drug. However, at the state level, cannabis is legal for medical use in 33 states and for adult use in 11 states. The research we have now suggests that cannabis can be useful in managing certain conditions, particularly chronic pain, chemotherapy-related nausea and vomiting, which, by the way, has been extremely helpful for my wife as she's going through her uh, chemotherapy treatment. Um, Using cannabis alongside it has been been great. You know, it's been helping her sleep. It's been helping her deal with uh, the nausea and vomiting uh, as well. Not that she had a lot of issues with vomiting, but the nausea because some of the drugs she's been on and um, inducing some of this nausea effect, you know, so it's been helping her, you know, deal with, deal with the nausea for sure. And obviously eating, eating has been like a huge factor as well. So if you're feeling nausea and you're feeling like you're going to vomit, you don't want to eat, then what happens? Your caloric intake decreases and, you know, it'd be hard, it becomes hard for you to get get your nutrients. So I'm all for using cannabis in conjunction with chemotherapy for sure. Some other things like multiple sclerosis uh, related muscle spasms has been great for, not for her, but just in general for cannabis use. Uh, So legalizing cannabis use can directly affect people's health and well-being. Additionally, we know that the legal, that the legal and criminal aspect of cannabis regulation disproportionately affect communities of color, particularly black and the Latino family. Latino people. Uh, that is that has led to a mass incarceration and police violence over the past several decades. Legalizing cannabis and ideally expunging criminal records and implementing other equality measures can help repair some of the harms of war on drugs for those most affected by it. 
During the 2016 campaign, it seemed like Donald Trump would be open to the idea of letting states decide how they wanted to handle cannabis legalization. But since then, it's clear that President Trump has become a staunch opponent of the concept. Now, this particular article is coming from self.com. I'm just reading some of it to you guys. I'm not turning this pot, uh, podcast into any political podcast. I'm just reading the, reading the news. You guys make your own decision, you know, based on what you feel you get from the research. And I encourage you to click the links yourself so you can research further to find out the news and then and how you can dissect what's really going on. So during the 2016, uh, I already covered that. So basically in this article, they talk about uh, Donald Trump's views, Vice President Joe Biden. Uh, they mentioned uh, he hasn't spoken publicly too often about, about the views on cannabis legalization, but appears his opinion on the issue has evolved. Anyhow, this is information you can find on self.com. So please, link is in the podcast description. You can, you can further read what they, what they get into. But at least five states, starting with Arizona, the state already allows medical cannabis thanks to Proposition 203, which narrowly passed in 2010, with just barely more than 50% of the votes. So the Arizonans are, are voting on Proposition 207, the Smart and Safe Arizona Act, which will which would legalize the consumption and possession of cannabis for people of the age of 27, 21, 27. <laughs> Mississippi, people in Mississippi actually have the opportunity to vote for one or two medical cannabis legalization measures in this year. So one, Initiative 65, would allow doctors to recommend cannabis to patients to help them manage one of the 22 qualifying, qualifying conditions, such as cancer, epilepsy, chronic pains, PTSD, and colitis. So pretty interesting stuff, really interesting. So uh, Initiative 65 will also uh, also sets up a 7% sales tax on cannabis as well. Montana. So in Montana, there are two separate but related cannabis measures on the ballot, both of which are receiving the majority of their support from the campaign call. The new approach Montana. The larger Initiative 190 will legalize cannabis for recreational use for adult 2021 20, and over and establishes a 20% tax on non-medical cannabis sales. New Jersey, medical cannabis has been legal in New Jersey since 2010, but it's been tough to pass an adult use a use measure over the past few years varies uh, attempts to ramp up support and for recreational cannabis legalization were met with serious resistance from former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. Now the state is taking a different approach. This year, Jersey voters will have the chance to answer a public question on the ballot. Do you approve amending constitution to legalize a controlled form of marijuana called cannabis. South Dakota, in most cases, a state first legalizes cannabis for medical use and then does so for recreational use. But voters in South Dakota have the opportunity to be the first state to legalize medical cannabis use and recreational cannabis use at the same time. There's Measures 26, which could legalize cannabis for medical use, and Amendment A, which would do the same for all adults, both in which are on the ballot this year. And that's all. That's all for the cannabis legalization in 
these five states. And you can read further, guys. You can read further if you want. The link is going to be in the podcast description for you guys to uh, continue reading. And that's basically it, guys. Hope the news here was uh, valuable for you guys. And uh, hope you're able to research a little further if you like. But until then, stay healthy, stay safe. And I will catch you guys on the next podcast. Peace out. I'm Chef T.